and the dynamic duo is back again for another podcast. Today we had the, the privilege of talking with Dr. Elisa Nance, who is a primary care physician and also suffered from a mild traumatic brain injury. And we're going to hear a little bit more about her story. So we appreciate her time and letting us share a little, have her share a little piece of, of what she's gone through. And she's from North Carolina, kind of around the, the Davidson School area. So if you're a, a Duke fan or a North Carolina fan, she, I think, uh, hails with North Carolina. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So she's in a unique position because she is a family physician and also, unfortunately, has suffered from a mild traumatic brain injury, which she had some... Uh, adverse effects and and kind of searching for answers so to speak for a while Um, so what I'll do I'll just let her introduce herself uh, just kind of say where she's from and and uh, a little bit of her background and we'll go into some of her story which once again we're very thankful you're willing to share the story because it is a a personal part of you that you're sharing with everybody but our purpose is to more so make everybody aware and give people hope and just you know find that there is is an answer or is is help that can be can be done so without further ado here's uh, Dr. Alisa. Hi thank you for having me um, I'm excited to tell you a little bit about myself um, I'm a family physician and uh, trained an undergrad in North Carolina at Chapel Hill that's why I'm a uh, a Tar Heel yeah, fan. <laughs> um, I did get a BS in pharmacy and then went to Wake Forest for medical school and then did my residency in Houston um, at a smaller uh, community hospital affiliated with University of Texas um, there in Houston. While I was there, um, I was actually in my um, third year of residency and was um, T-boned um, with a 55 mile an hour um, hit to my left car door, the the driver's door, which um, put me into the passenger seat on the front um, and hit another vehicle that was in the turn lane coming the opposite direction. Um, And so I was in kind of like a a hourglass type of uh, setting with um, a concussion that kind of had me floating uh, and falling into cotton balls and I woke up with my face in in front of the glove box. Um, from there, I had a lot of uh, physical injuries as well, um, a lacerated spleen, uh, dropped lung, broken ribs, um, and the concussion. And at the time, uh, I was also um, eight weeks pregnant. So, Isn't that crazy? Um, oh, my goodness. And fast forward in time, I think because of my training, there was very little time that I could really focus on my deficits because I was um, having a lot of responsibilities in my medical training. Um, But I did notice from that day on, I had a lot of fatigue um, by the end of the day, things that I could do before, I couldn't do them anymore, or I would come home and fall immediately asleep. Um, I couldn't really um, focus on what I was thinking at times and had um, episodes of confusion. Um, and I could even um, notice that lights and sounds would seem much more difficult to tolerate. Um, I would have light sensitivity and photosensitivity. So just a quick interject. So what what year was that? So it's 2016 right now. Right. That was um, in uh, January of um, 2000. Sorry, 1998. 1998. So, so it's 17 years ago. 17 years ago. And so between that and then. Recently, I guess you probably get to that, some of the 
the journey that you went through. You know, at the time, you had a pressing issue of trying to get through school and basically f- fight through that. And like you said, you didn't have time to, yeah. to really focus on that. Because what professionals or who did you see? I mean, you had your accident, and where did you start as far as... So uh, I saw the emergency yeah. room, I'm assuming, and then kind of what was the yeah. pathway of other professionals? I went to the emergency room at the time and was in the hospital quite a long time after that. And um, it, it's, it's an interesting story because I really didn't focus on my head injury until my son had his head injury in uh, 2010. Huh. And all the symptoms he had were very similar to my symptoms. Mm -hmm. So over the years between 1998 and 2010, I saw different doctors for real somatic complaints, vision problems, went to my vision specialist when um, I'd have nausea, I'd have headaches, I'd have um, just photophobia and fatigue. Um, People told me that I might have like fibromyalgia or um, stress-induced symptoms from how, you know, I'm a busy doctor, I would be have these symptoms. Um, but when my son developed his symptoms and they were very similar to mine and he wasn't in med school or um, going through the same stressors, I thought to myself, wow, this is really crazy. So we've kind of walked a um, journey together, seeing um, neuro, neurologist, um, neuroradiologist, um, family physicians, internist, um, physical therapist, um, chiropractors, um, and basically we had really no relief. Um, my injuries were less severe than his, um, and um, basically we found out that we we didn't have exactly the same thing, but we've responded to the same thing that has helped us um, individually. So your symptoms didn't go away. You just kind of learned to adapt or learn to kind of deal with them? Or... Yes, I kind of learned to deal with them because after you're told repeatedly that this is the way it feels to be a training physician or a new physician in practice or your practice is changing, so now you're in the middle of your practice years, every year, every stage of my life, I was kind of told that's the way it is. And so I just believed it and would just adapt to the symptoms that I had. Wow. So then but the story doesn't end there, thankfully. So um, who or I guess how did you even hear about neurooptometric rehabilitation or what kind of bridged that gap? Because it is not very well known, and that's part of the reason why we're having this conversation right now. So I think the biggest thing with that is um, I was with my son at the Mayo Clinic for pain rehab for him because we basically had no other answer, and he was just going to learn to deal with his body Um, and my pain, I just was told to kind of deal with it. And when I returned from the Mayo Clinic one month with him, um, a patient of mine had given me the book, uh, The Ghost in My Brain, in my office. And I was opening the book and started with the first two pages and started crying because it, and it's still kind of emotional. Sorry. That's okay, yeah. But I think... um, That's okay, yeah. I think what, it was the very first time that I could relate personally and for my son um, that there there were people out there and that had the same symptoms and there were people out there like Clark Elliott who actually had gotten help and was recovering 
So, um, to be honest, I um, Googled Clark Elliott and mm-hmm. could not find any way to contact him. It's not in the book. So, I Googled mm-hmm. his um, DePaul University and found his professional um, professorship address mm-hmm. and emailed him. And he said, whatever you do, go see Dr. Zelensky awesome. in North, uh, northern Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that's how we found um, somebody that's helped us. And like I said, yeah, thank you again. I, I honestly can't even pretend to put myself in that situation and what you've gone through, but I'm just so thankful that you were able to find help. Um, so when you first read that book, maybe you mentioned it, when was that? What like what month or year? I'm trying to just put things in perspective. So that was August of 2015. Okay. So I had had um, like 12 years of of symptoms and my son had had five years of symptoms and multiple doctors and um just different things that that treatment modalities that we had tried and nothing worked and then we had our first appointment in september of Mm -hmm. 2015 with Mm -hmm. dr zelinsky awesome and since then through her methods when i guess when did you start seeing a change so um, both of us um, have come each every three months since then and even from the very beginning Mm -hmm. we had tremendous improvement of symptoms in fact I think the first step was the most improvement because you're just so trapped in this Mm -hmm. pain and focus issues fatigue that any relief just seems like a miracle and Mm -hmm. When you start with that, it just seems like, oh my goodness, I didn't even think that it could just be my eyes Mm -hmm. all along. So I think at the beginning, it seems so magical. And since then, we have some tweaking um, and different renditions of our lenses um, has given us different outcomes. And um, one or two of those changes has been less magical, but has helped in a more... um, internal way so I think when you when pain may be your focus if you take care of the pain that seems um, like a bigger step as a patient but when you look at some of the other changes of your emotion of your sleep of of your nausea they weren't such a big deal to us personally so it didn't seem so magical but now that we have those corrected we feel it in a different way that you know, we can go to a dinner party and not take our own food, or we can um, stay out late with friends at the movie and not walk out contorted because of the visual flashes of the movie. Um, it's just more functional than it is one particular symptom improvement. And I think that that actually, from a physician perspective, is more magical conceptually than maybe what the patient can really feel of their one symptom that controls their life uh, in a negative way. So um, I think the overall result is amazing. And every time, in fact, we have to like make a list of things that we don't have anymore because we forgot we had those. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and my son in particular will say, I don't want these glasses, they don't work. And I'll say, okay, take them off for 20 minutes. And then every symptom starts to come back and he's like where are my glasses Mm -hmm. and i'll hold them across the room and dangle them and say (laughs) are you looking for these i thought these didn't help you at all and he's like he'll put them on and just just the calm and the relief of the symptoms um is immediate 
So it's a, a vision tool, but it affects so much more just whole body as far as, I mean, the eyes are. In fact, we lost some of our visual acuity or how well we see things um, because it opened up our ability to, to tolerate or function with the surroundings, the environment. Um, and at first you kind of get like you don't like it because you can't see so clear like the gnat on the wall you might can only see a fly Uh and you think oh my gosh I don't like this because I used to see a gnat but when I see a gnat my shoulder rises on the right to where at night I'm in the bed holding my neck wondering why my neck hurts so bad but then when you reduce my ability to see so clearly my shoulder relaxes and I have no more headache pain on that side. Yeah, that's such a good point. What you're, what she was referring to is central and peripheral visual streams are two different streams in the brain. And when somebody suffered a traumatic brain injury, those two systems essentially get bombarded with information and it's hard for the brain to coordinate those two. So sometimes even just softening, so to speak, the noise or the central vision that I am totally guilty of. I love central vision and being able to see, like she was saying, then the hair on a gnat. Mm-hmm. Um, but that isn't always conducive to, to treatment and therapy and, and it's almost exacerbating the whole system, the whole flooding, so to speak, of, of the visual information. So it's um, when you cha- make that change from visually, the blur a little bit centrally is worth the, the payoff of the overall. And like you say, you adapt to it and, and, uh, and change. But yeah, just um, 2020 is not not always the answer is, is what it amounts to. And I think as optometrists, lenses are our tool. You know, we think, well, you just prescribe lenses, you want them to see perfectly, but that can actually be a negative, which is sometimes, you know, maybe patients that have had concussion go to the, you know, optometrist, they want to see how well they're seen, they get glasses, and that can actually exaggerate their symptoms. So I think even from a, you know, subtle changes or small changes in glasses or prescription can really affect the whole, the whole person. So it's certainly um, something to consider that you know that's kind of our specialty and you need someone who kind of looks at the whole person when they're prescribing lenses and not just how well you can see the chart across the room yes in fact both of us experienced that and as as we became more and more symptomatic and had we've realized that it was because our acuity was strengthened and strengthened Mm -hmm. that we actually had more and more symptoms but we thought it was stress or, uh-huh. or something in the environment or now that we were aware that our, our body was getting worse, we were just making it all happen extra. But I think that we got clearer and clearer vision. We got more and more of these secondary symptoms. Um, and when we came to Dr. Zielinski, and believe me, I love my optometrist. Yeah. I, I've been with him since I was a child. And I think when you take one eye at a time, and block the vision around you. The, the goal is to make that as crisp as possible, but when you remove the machine that sits in front of your face, all of a sudden you can't tolerate everything that's happen, happening to you when your eyes function together and when they function in non-dim, you know, non-dim light or not fixating on one target. It, it's all this, it's how your eyes really work in the world instead of 
how you set them up to be examined, I guess. I think that's how, that's how we're trained. You know, as right. optometrists, we want them to see well. And so it's certainly, yeah, like you said, no fault of optometrists. And that's where we're getting, you know, the word out as far as what lenses are really doing to a person, especially patients that have had any kind of traumatic brain injury, just so much more sensitive to change. So we have to be aware of that. So when we see these patients, we can, you know, take the right steps to do things slowly or differently than, you know, maybe what we're used to. But knowing that's going to affect them, you know, much more in a positive manner than making it worse for them so yeah I mean when you say patients they're I mean they're people you know we're I don't know how to explain this what I'm saying but I mean you know you see patients every day and and sometimes you can get a routine you're busy you see somebody and you you know write a number or a pad and you send them out the door but this this is so important and it just helps me even realize understand to take your time I mean and little changes can have big effects on on people and and it's so so crucial and important. And um, just listening to your patients. Yes. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, when you do something, how does that affect their symptoms? Because a lot of times these mild, if you will, which is kind of the misnomer, traumatic brain injury patients have, mul- you know, multitude of symptoms that, you know, but everything checks out fine. And so I think even just taking the time to listen, what are, you know, what are the patients experiencing? And is, is there something we can do, give them a tool to help them, you know, be more successful in just yeah. daily life? Mm-hmm. And I think um, one of the, things that I would want people to know is that often a mild concussion or a concussion um, is almost more devastating than someone who has severe brain injury because unfortunately in severe brain injury you either do very very poorly or you recover fairly well because all of your protective mechanisms inflammation all the neurotransmitters kind of get so heightened it actually heals the brain where in minor traumatic brain injury you're kind of stuck in limbo you don't really go bad and you don't really get better you just stay in the middle and you have all of these symptoms that you can't really attribute just to the head injury until they start getting fixed with um, different interventions so I would tell people to really not give up and keep seeking help Um, I would definitely tell my patients now for anyone, and I do since I've been living this, is to start not necessarily just with imaging and, you know, all of our imaging, even my son's who's profound, all of our imaging, all of our labs are normal. And we do not feel normal. So it, I would tell people to keep looking, even though people may not believe you and they don't understand when your body floods with sweat and headache and you can't even tolerate the sound of your child speaking, you, you really need to know that there is help and there's people out there. And a lot of it, I think, and I truly believe, can be corrected with your optometrist and your, the person that you trust and know. As long as, if they could all be trained and, and people could expect that, and at least get you to the right optometrist that can do it. Um, the the brain um, is affected, but also your eyes are. And I didn't really even know that as a physician. Even trying as hard as I can to help myself and my child, I couldn't find the information until a lay person gave me a, a lay type of book um, that brought all the medical um, knowledge to me. So I'm very thankful. 
Yeah, that, I guess you hit something that's so crucial is a mild traumatic brain injury, first of all, is a misnomer. And from the outside looking in, granted, it's important to get the scans and, and the blood work and make sure everything is on track, but you look normal, so to speak. And, and that is deadly, really, because so many things that even for yourself, you could say, well, is that traumatic brain injury or is it due to something else? And I mean, it's just, and like I said, it's easy for me to sit here and say this, but I, if I could share something to it mild traumatic range there's nothing mild about it and i think you know optometry like you mentioned is certainly a piece and that you know if that's the right piece for the, you know the patients that's great but like i think just like you're saying continue to look for finding the professional that is out there that will connect with you and help you to um, you know heal because a lot of times even if people tell you there's no nothing you can do there's someone out there that will understand and be able to even direct you to the right person so well, we just thank you so much for your time and, and sharing the story, and we hope that somebody will hear this and it'll help them on their path and their journey. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Yeah, awesome. For the podcast, once again, we thank Dr. Elisa for joining, with, joining us today, and uh, we hope that you find this beneficial, and we hope people hear her story and know that there's hope out there. Yeah, we appreciate her telling her story, given that it's somewhat of an emotional um, kind of recap of her life, but we certainly hope that this will um, give others some awareness of mild traumatic brain injuries and we hope that you join us at our next podcast. Mm-hmm.